God, let's just go to the Bible this morning. For those of you who are here or have listened to the message, last week I spoke on the subject of kiss or cling. Now that might sound strange in the church, speak about kiss or cling, but it comes from the book of Ruth. And if you recall, there was the occasion where Ruth and Orpah had to Decide. Their mother, Naomi, was going back to Israel from Moab. The two girls were Moabitesses, right? And the mother wanted them to stay in their own land and get husbands and establish a family line. And the climax of the book is when it says that Orpah kissed her mother. Right? Orpah kissed her mother. But Ruth clung. Right? But, Ruth, clung. That conjunction, but, makes all the difference. And the great lesson that we learned from that scripture is, because as you know, Ruth went on to change the world, basically. She went through quite a difficult time, but then she married the leading man in the community, and she became ultimately part of the bloodline of Christ. She was the great-great-grandmother of King David. That's quite awesome, isn't it? From humble beginnings, she rose to become an important figure in world history, although she didn't know it at the time, of course. She influenced life. She influenced the world. All because of one thing. She didn't just kiss. She clung. Now, the message is very simply this. The truths of God, the things of God, eternal things, come our way. And everybody is visited by some revelation or truth or divine appointment, as it were. But what makes the difference? The difference is whether you kiss or you cling. And kiss speaks about an emotional engagement. Amen? It's a beautiful thing. It's not a bad thing. It is an exchange. It is a connection. Right? You touch the thing. You kiss it. But you see, there's a big difference between kissing something and clinging. Because when we just kiss these eternal things, they don't change us. Amen? They don't change us. We have that experience, but it doesn't change us. The real change and the real benefit comes when we decide to cling. When Janet came my way. I'm so glad I didn't just kiss her. Hallelujah. I clung. <laughs> the hold of that which is good. Amen. The hold of that which is good. 
but it's been beneficial. Sad to say, in our world, there's a lot of kissing going on, amen, and a whole lot of other things to boot. But the clinging is not permanent, you see, and that's the problem. And that's why we have tragedy and tragedy upon tragedy. So you see, there's a lesson to be learned. And last week, I mentioned the few things that we need to cling to. Cling to our calling, for example. Your calling will not manifest if you actually marry it. That's why I didn't carry on with the law. I studied law. I'm technically an advocate of this high court here in Pretoria. But I came to the stage where I realized if I wanted to make a success of the legal profession, I had to marry the profession. And any lawyer, successful lawyer will tell you that. They work all of Saturday and most of Sunday as well. All right. You have to marry that career. And it's the same with anything, really. If you really want to be great in something, you have to marry it, in a sense. Is that not right, Stacey, with the violin? You can't just kiss your violin every day and say, wow, I want to be a great musician. No, you've got to cling to that thing. Almost sleep with it. Hallelujah. It's like that in every sphere of life. We mentioned a whole lot of things that I won't go into detail now, but after the service, I just felt that the whole message was incomplete. Primarily because there are two subjects which I neglected. And I just felt that for the sake of wholeness, I'd like to just continue with that with your forbearance. And there are two areas that I want to focus on. So if you want to call this anything, call it Kiss or Cling Part 2. Let's go to the Bible. I want to read three scriptures. You might say these are unrelated, but you'll see where I'm going. The first is Genesis 7, 21 to 24. We all know the story of Noah and the ark. So there's nothing new here. But there's a new dimension that I wanted just to have a look at. That's Genesis 7, 21 to 24. I'll read it for us. This is at the end of the whole thing. The whole ark issue has taken place. And uh, as a result of this flood, all flesh died, all right? That moved on the earth. Birds and cattle, beasts, and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth, and every man. God had to push the reset button, in a sense, because of iniquity on the earth that was rampant. All in whose nostrils was the breath of the spirit of life. All that was on the dry land died. Okay, so get the picture. There was total decimation. So he destroyed all living things which were on the face of the ground, both man and cattle, creeping thing and bird of the air. They were destroyed from the earth. Now listen to this. Only Noah and those who were with him in the ark. Please underline that. Those who were with him in the ark remained. You see that? Life. And the waters prevailed on the earth 150 days. So only Noah and those who were with him in the ark remained alive. Okay, just put that in the back of your mind. Let's go to Psalm 105. Psalm 105, 16 to 22. This is the psalmist looking back into the past. Speaking about God, he called for a famine in the land. He destroyed all the provision of bread. He sent a man before them, Joseph, who was sold as a slave. They hurt his feet with fetters. He was laid in irons until the time that his word came to pass. The word of the Lord tested him. That's the phrase to underline in this case. The word of the Lord tested him. The king sent and released him. The ruler of the people let him go free. He made him lord of his house and ruler of all his possessions to bind his princes at his pleasure 
and teach his elders wisdom. All right, bear that in mind. Let's just go to Matthew, the last scripture I'm going to read, Matthew 13, 20 to 23. Matthew 13, 20 to 23. Now, the scripture comes at the place where the Lord has taught the people the parable of the sower. And the disciples are nonplussed. They say to him, what are you talking about? And this is part of the explanation of one of the parts of that parable. All right? I'm just reading Matthew 13, 20 to 23. But he who received the seed on stony places, this is he who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy, yet has no root in himself. He endures only for a while, for when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, immediately he stumbles. All right? Immediately he stumbles. Praise God. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Help us to understand it, Lord. Help us, Lord, to hear your voice in all of this. The voice and the word you want us personally to hear today, collectively, that as a people we might move forward and be great in your kingdom. We ask this in the precious name of Yeshua. May no unclean spirit interfere with his word for anyone within the sound of my voice that your kingdom may go forward. Amen. Praise God. Now, these two areas I want to just catch up on the basis of this business of either kissing or clinging. And the first one is the word. Amen. I did touch on it last week, but it's very important to understand. The word of God comes your and my way. Amen. It comes everybody's way. Now, the issue is not the fact that it's come our way. The issue is what we do with it. Can you all say amen? You see, the word carries with it eternity. It carries with it the spirit of the living God. But simply because the word comes our way does not mean that the spirit of the living God is imparted to us. That is the purpose of the word. The purpose is sent to bring life. Amen? Compared to water, you think of water coming on the earth, what does water do to the earth? It brings life. You understand? If you go to a place where there's been drought, like Cape Town or wherever, you know that when there's no water, everything starts to die. I remember once Janet and I and the kids went to a farm up there, Tolva. Does anybody know where Tolva is? You've missed nothing, because there is nothing, all right? It's quite close to the Botswana border, but I tell you what, it was drought. And somebody took us to somebody's game farm. Game farm in inverted commas. Do you know what? Because they had terrible drought, the water tables, remember that terrible drought was so low in that area. There was not one green leaf. Not one green leaf to be seen in this whole farm. Let alone an animal, a bird or anything. Let alone game. I mean, dear God, nothing. It was dying, is what I'm saying. Why? No water. No water. No water. Now, you see, nature has it that when the water comes, automatically nature absorbs it. But it's not the same with the Word of God. Did you know that? It's not the same. The Word can come and go, can pass you by. I mean, for many years, 20 years, I mean, I was in a church school, once again, inverted commas. We had chapel every morning. They read from the Bible. I was in the choir twice on Sunday. We only had let up on Saturdays. 
they would catch up with us on Sunday. You see, on Saturday you don't have no church, but on Sunday, all that word passed me by. Only thing that remains was when I carved my name in the back of the organ from the choir stall. You understand? It just passed me by. Now, please, that word comes to give us life. You see, we have to grasp it. Amen. In that scripture we read, what does it say? His word. He was in prison. Joseph was in prison until the word tested him. Amen. And once the innocent passed the test, guess what? Bam! Everything opened up. You get the pattern. Get the pattern. Now you see, when the Lord spoke about the parable, he said, some seeds fall upon stony ground. But when the sun comes up, right, the seed withers and dies. Can I ask you a question? When does the sun come up? Every day. It's going to happen. You get it? Now this is the point I'm trying to make. The seed is planted, but when the sun comes up, not if, you get it? Not if. When. Are you grasping this? What did the Lord explain? The seed is the word. The stony heart are the people who receive with joy. Hallelujah. Praise God. What a message. Whoop. What an anointed preach. Glory to God. And we've all done this, of course. But what happens? The sun does come up. What is the reference? When persecution comes. Why? For the word's sake. You'll get that. For the word's sake. In other words, if you don't have the word in you, you won't be persecuted. <laughs> Isn't it nice? Nobody will bother. <laughs> Just carry on like everybody else. It's fine. You're quite acceptable. Do you get it? However, when the word comes your own my way and we choose to cling, what will happen? Persecution will arise. Okay? But if we're clinging hard enough, what will happen? We'll go through. Are you hearing me? And this is the pattern. We need to understand it because it's going to happen to every one of us. You and I come into contact with the Word. Maybe we go to church and hear the message, or we read the Bible for ourselves, or we hear a teaching, and it really thrills our soul. Amen? It thrills our soul. We say, wow, we receive revelation from God. What's the message? Realize something. The sun will come up. Amen? The sun will come up. Now the issue is what? When you receive that Word, did you just kiss it and say, Phew, that was so lovely? Or did you embrace it? You and I embrace it and cling to it. You all get this pattern. This is how it works. This is exactly how it works. This is the divine pattern. The moment you and I receive the revelation from God, immediately the sun will come up. The devil will come to do what? To snatch that word away from you. 
to snatch it from you. Now what's going to make the difference? If when the word came away, you kissed it and said, Whew, that was so lovely. What a lovely word. Or if you just said, right, that's God's message to me. I need to lock into this and make sure it becomes true. Are you hearing me? And that's when the challenge comes. You see? And it's only when, let me just say this, you and I have clung to the word and we've gone through the persecution for the word's sake. We've gone through with it and then it becomes ours. Amen? And it manifests in our life. If you trust in God for healing and you hear a word from God and it rings with your soul that God wants you well, that he died on the cross, that by his stripes you were healed. When that revelation hits you, that's not a time to say, glory, hallelujah, kiss the book. That's the time to cling to that word and say, right, Satan, this is mine. I'm not going to let you rob me of it. Right? And don't be surprised if that's when the pain hits you worse than ever before. Are you hearing me? Are you hearing me? You might get a revelation like I did once about the great love of God shed abroad in our hearts towards people. What a beautiful revelation. Surprise, surprise, around the corner, people started to treat me like filth. What was the lesson? Cling. The love of God prevails. Are you me? Do you see the pattern? And that's exactly what happened to Joseph. Here he is, in a foreign land, sent as a prisoner. But he had a word from God that one day he will be great. He had seen his brothers bowing down to him in the vision. And his big mistake is what? He started to jabber about it. Amen. Ooh, you guys are going to bow down before me. It's not very wise if you're the youngest and if they're bigger than you. You should keep your mouth shut. Amen. Let God do it and not try and make it happen. But it was in his heart. That was God's word to him. It was in his heart. You hear me? But what had to happen? That word had to be tested. Right? And guess what happens to him? Instead of being elevated, what happens right away? Bam! Sent as a prisoner by his brothers. A slave. And he starts to work himself up as a slave. And then what happens? Bam! Falsely accused. Falsely accused of terrible things. Thrown in prison. So what does he do? Starts to work his way up again. Comes to the place where he reveals secrets. And he thinks, now's my turn. I'm going to go somewhere. What happens? Bam! Back into prison. Back into prison. But then what happens? The Bible says, even though his feet had fetters of iron, the day came when the word was tested. And what happened? From the very bottom, he moved right to the very top. Suddenly, in an instant. He was sharing that lovely testimony on Friday night. The lady here with a growth on her throat. Like a burlap almost. Imagine walking around like that. Everybody looking at you funny. For years she had this apparently. And people would say, what do you do about it? And she would reply, the Lord has healed me. Or something like that. Steadfastly replied, the Lord has healed me. And of course, what does everybody do? Snigger, snigger, snigger behind her back. Oh, she's mad. Guess what happens one day? She wakes up and... Isn't that awesome? What happened? She received the word 
But she didn't just kiss the word. She clung to it. You understand? She clung to it. And I just know that that's the pattern. As soon as people have a revelation, they're going to be tested. I know it. I've had this so many times. One occasion, a man, he had this church some time back. He said to me, Graham, they were enjoying the church. I'll do anything for you. Want any help? Just phone me. You know, blah, blah, the normal story. Want any help? Just phone me. I'll, I'll sort it out. What did I say? Nothing. I say, we'll see. <laughs> Guess what? A few weeks later, nowhere to be seen. Should phone him up now and say, I need some help, shouldn't I? <laughs> I hate teaching here on taking offense. The bait of Satan. I hate teaching on it. You know, because in church, you're going to get offended. Did you know that? Anybody found that out? You're going to get offended. Come to church, you'll get offended. And what's the lesson? Learn how to work through it, obviously. But I hate teaching on that. Guess why? I was teaching the foundation course. I said, this is really important. You will get offended in church, but just work through it. Don't run away. Don't run away. Work through it. That's the message, of course. And we become bigger, stronger people. Amen. We and I should come to the place where it's almost impossible for us to be offended. You understand? It's almost impossible. Okay? We should come to that place where we offend proof. Amen. Then you can grow. Because, I mean, really, going around, Hey, so-and-so said such about me. Like little babies. I mean, dear God in heaven. Get over it. You know, nobody's perfect. Hallelujah, least of all the pastor, dear God. But anyway, taught this and I, I just knew this is going to be tested. Oh, this is going to be tested. This is, so I just made sure. Do you understand? Yes, yes, yes. Do you see it? Yes, yes, yes. Do you understand? Yes, yes, yes. Be careful. Yes, 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 yes. Two weeks later. Gone. Hallelujah. The truth came his way. Are you hearing me? Brothers and sisters, this Bible will mean nothing to you if every now and again you just kiss it. Oh, lovely scripture I got this morning. Oh, shared in church. Now I'm an expert on Ephesians 3. Got a revelation this morning. You get a revelation. Make a decision. Thank you for the revelation. Now I'm going to cling to this until it's real in my life. Are you hearing me? Until it's real in my life. That's not easy. That takes guts. The devil does not want this word to become part of you because once it's part of you, you have eternity inside of you and you can do nothing about it. The devil does very seldom come to me with sickness. Do you know that? Very seldom. I'm not boasting at all. I'm boasting in the word. Are you hearing me? I'm boasting in the word. Sickness is not one of my problems. He does come with it from time to time, but I know the tack. I know the routine. And he knows something. If it comes to sickness, all it's going to do is drive me deeper into the Word. Are you hearing me? Because I know the Word can heal me. But that truth was tested. It was tested. It didn't just come from heaven. You see, the problem is, you and I hear the Word, and we mentally assent to it. We agree with it. And that's good. You mustn't fight with it in your mind. That's the starting place. But please understand, just mentally assenting to it, does not mean that it's part of us yet. Are you hearing me? It's not part of us. We have to cling to it and go through the persecution, the testing that comes with it, and when it is tried, suddenly, in an instant, it becomes ours, and the devil can't take it away. Nobody can tell me that God doesn't do I'm sorry, I just laugh myself. Silly. Oh, you never can tell. 
what God is going to do. It could be you next. Have I ever preached like that here? I wonder. God wants you. Wow. Hallelujah. And he's made it available through the word. But don't think that now this is cloud cuckoo theology, that you just don't have any problems in life. I mean, because you've heard the word now that you just... No! What's going to happen? The devil will test it. Amen. When sickness comes your way, what's happening? It's the devil testing the word. Amen. And we have to work out our own salvation with fear and trembling. Amen. But please understand, God wants us well. You see that? So, when you and I hear the word, it is a time to rejoice yet. Yes, yes, it's wonderful to say, wow, what a wonderful revelation, and rejoice in the revelation. But don't just kiss it. Are you hearing me? Don't just kiss the revelation. Cling to it. And expect it to be tested. If it doesn't get tested, it will never become real in our lives. Are you hearing me? Never become real in our lives. It will just be theoretical. You want to be raised up financially. Let me tell you, get ready for terrible poverty. That's a contradiction, isn't it? No, the truth of the matter is God has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in every place, which, by the way, includes a few cents here and there. Are you hearing me? God doesn't want us poor. Are you hearing me? You cannot help anybody if you have no cash. Does that make sense? I'm sitting with a young man. He says, I've got no food. Now I'm going to pray, oh Lord, send food. And really, I mean, very spiritual, isn't it? You know what the best prayer is? Let's get in the car, go to pick and pay, and make sure you've got some steak to eat. Are you hearing me? And you can't do that if you don't have any what? Can I go to the cashier and say, look, I'm a pastor. I want to help this man. This has got to be free. <laughs> it would be nice, wouldn't it, if they said, pastors fed free. Every pastor in every township would come to that shop and they would just sabotage their business. But let me just say this, and it's no harm to dream big. Hallelujah. No harm to dream big. Don't think that God just wants you to have enough to get along. Just enough to get by, oh God. Have heard that prayer? Oh Lord, oh Lord, oh Lord, oh Lord, send me just, just enough, just, just enough. Well, just enough won't feed the neighbor, will it? Oh, you hear me? There's balance in all of this. But don't think because you prayed, oh Lord, and you've seen in the Bible, God wants to make you wealthy. He wants to give us more than we can actually contain. Did you know that? I mean, how much money will the bank accept of yours and mine? As much as possible, am I right? So as much as you can't contain is quite a few rand. Probably a few dollars and pounds thrown in. Right? But don't think because you've seen that in the Bible, your mind has been opened, you mentally have said, don't think that the very next day you'll go out and win the lotto. You might lose your job the next day. Why? It's the devil testing the word. All right? But you must know the truth. Don't think, oh no, it's not true. Can you see? I'm believing for great things and then the opposite happens and what is the logical human conclusion? Maybe it's not in the Bible. Maybe it's not true. And what do we do? Back down. What's the problem there? We kissed the truth, but we didn't. We did not make it ours. I hope you hear me. I hope you hear me. 
You see, that's the difference between people that are going to stand the test of time because the word is part of them and people who know about the word but haven't been changed to become the word. Are you hearing me? And we need to be a people that have been changed to become the word. The word is living inside of us. That's why I can pray. Health flows through my body. I have enough health to give away. Are you hearing me? Enough health to give away. Isn't it wonderful? So if you're sick, I've got enough health. I've got extra. Doesn't mean that the snake hasn't tried his luck. Are you hearing me? There have been times where I've been unable to almost stand and preach. But it doesn't change the word. Are you hearing me? doesn't change the word. How I feel has got nothing to do with what the word has to say. And I've got to make a choice. Do I go with how I feel or do I go with the word? And I made a choice to consistently cling to the word. And guess what? It's paying handsome dividends. Can you all say amen? Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. So you see, we need to cling to revelation when it comes our way. Precious, but you have to cling to it. And don't expect it just to fall on your plate. It's going to be tested. If it's real, it will be tested. And if you go through, it becomes yours. And you have eternal life in that area. Salvation, as the Bible describes it, in that particular area. Are you hearing me? There are a number of areas you can have salvation. Seven, to be precise. Spiritual salvation, wholeness in spirit, wholeness of soul, wholeness of body, wholeness in relationships, wholeness financially, wholeness in your purpose in life, and eternal salvation, which is one day when, in sweet by and by, when we get there. And if you've got all of those, can you all agree with me? You and I are sorted. Amen? Is anything else you can want? Peace in your soul, in your spirit, strength in your body. Relating to people, lots of wonderful friends, enough money to live properly and to give away. You know exactly what you're doing in life and you know where you're going and one day you're going to get there. Hallelujah. Me, I'm happy. Amen. And you've got to make others as so. But you see, that's the truth in the Bible. But it's not going to happen if you and I just, oh, it would be nice to be able to relate to everybody. You've got to cling. The love of God is shed abroad in our heart. Amen. And when people get nasty, guess what? The love of God is shed abroad in my heart. Oh, yes. When people get horrible, the love of God is shed abroad in my heart. I mean, and it turns your neighbor, who's related to the AWB, into your best friend. And you had nothing to do with it except have the right heart. Amen? And see salvation. Now, not only him, but his son and whole family are our big friend. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. So you see, the word, we must cling to it. If it's going to mean anything, you know, I have to learn how when it comes our way to cling. Make it your own. Find out more about it. Hunger for the truth. The other thing we need to cling to, and this is the one I want to just end off with, we must learn to cling to our church. This is a lesson that this community knows nothing about. You see, it was God's design to place you and I in families. Can everybody say Amen? And by and large, maybe our families are dysfunctional, all right? But he had a plan. And it's not a plan to supersede our natural families. It's a plan to work together with, all right? So there's no reason why anybody should feel alone. But there's great strength and great power in belonging to the family of God, wherever that family may be found. But you see, it's no good having this attitude 
as far as the family is concerned, I'm speaking about church. Kiss the family. Do you know what I mean by that? Just get out of the church what you and I want every now and then. Pitch up on Sundays, have a lovely time of praise and worship, and for the rest of the week, you understand? There's an attitude in our community which is very much like that. The church is just a convenience, a place to be seen, a place to assuage our conscience that we are Christians. Do you know what I mean by that? I'm a Christian, I must go to church. So I pitch up, I find the most comfortable church, the shortest service, I'm there, I'm out, done, thank you Lord, brownie points, I'm fine. What is that? Kissing the institution. You think that's going to help? When the bottom falls out, and the institution that every now and then you've kissed, now it's got to help you. Can I tell you something? Please understand, the Old Testament was written as a pattern. And that's why I read that story of Noah. Because the pattern of Noah is what? Remember there was a wicked world. God had to push the reset button. In pushing the reset button, he had to wipe out everything that was wicked. But he had a plan to rescue what he had created to move to the next dispensation. Has everybody got that? He was a passing through. From the world before, the flood to the new age. Has everybody got that? Now what's going to happen at the end of this age? What is similar about this day and age to what Noah experienced? It's a wicked world. Am I right or am I wrong? Sad to say it's true. Alright? Things that you and I in our younger days would be considered totally out of the question are now accepted and almost enforced on everybody else. Okay. So what is God's plan? It has to do what? Push the reset button. Amen. But this time it's not going to be with water. Did you know that? Remember John the Baptist said, the man coming after me, he will baptize you in water and in what? Fire. Fire. Okay. If you look at the Old Testament, the Feast of the Tabernacles, you'll realize that the three feasts, the one that hasn't happened yet, is that one, the Feast of the Tabernacles, which speaks of God coming back, the trumpets and the fire. So you see, what's going to happen to everything that you and I see here, even this beautiful keyboard that I love so much, my guitar and my piano and all that stuff, unfortunately, the day is going to come when it's going to be briar wood. Amen. But you see, in God's plan, whenever something is totally cleansed, Something passes through. Amen? Can you see that? Something passes through. In Noah's day, what was it? Only the people in the ark were saved. Did you see that? He makes a point of it. Everything else was destroyed. Only those in the ark were saved. Can I ask you something? Those people that were in the ark, were they good or bad? Can I tell you, if you read on, they brought wickedness with them. Those daughters of his. Right? They brought wickedness with them. But they were saved. What do you think the ark represents in this day and age as far as passing through to the next dispensation? The body of Christ. The church. Only people who are connected to the church will pass through. 
quite a thought, isn't it? Now, does that mean people that have membership with a particular religious organization? Uh, no, 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 no. People that are on dark. And what it speaks of is people that don't just kiss the religious institution. People that cling. What does it mean? What does it mean? It's, some, it's an attitude of heart. How shall I say it? An attitude of heart where you and I come to the place where, where we gather is precious to us. I mean, precious to us. It means something. Now, I had to learn this, I must be honest with you. I'm one of these people that his whole life spent being rebellious, etc. When I was at school, I didn't like the school. Now, there are a lot of reasons why I didn't like the school. Some of them were justified. But I was the camp complainer. You know what the camp complainer is? One's always got something bad to say. Behind the scenes. Not to everybody's face, but behind. You know what I'm talking about? I wasn't a very good school member. I didn't fit in well there. I'll never forget the one occasion I was complaining. I said, the spirit in the school is not what it used to be. The spirit in the school is not what it used to be. One of the seniors turned around and he looked at me and he said, well, what are you going to do about it? <laughs> now that stopped me right there. It didn't change my heart, but it stopped me right there. That was a very wise statement. Amen. What are you going to do about it? And I carried that spirit into the various churches that I belonged to. I'll be very honest with you. And I was a camp complainer. I was involved. I was doing all this stuff. But in my heart, oh, they're doing this wrong. Oh, they're doing this. You understand? What was I doing? Destroying it from behind. The cause of the rot. Now you see, when we cling to our church, what do we do? This is family. We need to be proud of our church. Amen. I'm proud of my church. I'm proud of the church. Not ashamed. You see, it doesn't matter what church so much. But you've got to know which church you belong to. But when you find out what church God wants you to be, be proud of that church. Are you hearing me? Be proud of what you belong to. Be proud of the outfit, the connection you have with God's big plan on the earth. Can you see that? It's so important, brothers and sisters, to embrace the body of Christ. Not to be on the outside looking in, but to be on the inside working with. Does that make sense? We've got to learn to cling. We've got to learn to cling. We can't just kiss the church every now and then. Oh, we have this church. We have this praise and worship. We have this preaching. We have this whatever we have. You can't just say those things. It's got to be part of us. Amen. We've got to be part of it. I hope that makes sense. Got to cling. Because you see, when you cling, what happens? When the tough time comes, what happens? The body that you've clung to will cling to you. Are you hearing me? Are you hearing me? You've got friends that we've known for years. We cling to them. Why? Through thick and thin, we've helped them. They've helped us. Are you hearing me? And that's the way it's supposed to be. But if we have an attitude where we just associate with the church. I mean, I've heard horror stories. The one pastor complained to me. He said, somebody left their church and they're going to a bigger church. And he said, well, you're welcome to go, but why? Why are you going? Oh, because of my business. I'll have more prospects at the bigger church. I'll have bigger prospects. i have a bigger market because it's a bigger church. Is that clinging to your church? Or is that using your church as a financial benefit? Can you see the difference? When you and I make up our minds, this is my church. This is my church. You understand? This is where I connect with the kingdom of heaven on earth. 
I'm proud of this. I'll do everything I can. We should be in a place where we actually prepare to die. Does that make sense? Fool. God's expression of himself on the earth, not for the past or the pastor's wife or any individual who might have some sort of anointing. That's not it. We're not here to worship people. We're here to what? Embrace what God is doing. You see? And when the people come together and they embrace what God is doing, guess what God can do? Big things. Amen? Big things. Because he's got people that are invested. Their heart is so we heard about the pig and the chicken when it comes to breakfast. Has everybody heard this? As far as breakfast is concerned, the chicken provided the egg. He was involved. The pig was committed. You understand? He ended up as the bacon. He was committed. He said, God wants us not to be pigs as such, but that's the whole idea. We're not just involved. we committed. You see? We embrace. We're part of the ark. And let me tell you, if you're part of the ark, and I wondered why God left these two parts of the thing together. Do you know that the church is the pillar and the foundation of the truth? The word and the church come together. Did you know that? The church is supposed to be the one place where we do hear the truth. Amen? And that truth will be offensive. And so we think, because the word's offensive, the church is offensive. Do you get it? And they run away. How many times have we had people and we've said to them, whatever you do, stay connected. Stay connected. Just stay connected. And what do they do? They don't stay connected. And what do we see? Destruction. We've seen it so many, many, many times. They just don't remain connected. Why? Because they don't want the truth. If you don't want the truth, eternity will not be found in you, and you are cannon fodder for the devil. Did you know that? Stay on the ark. Wherever that ark is for you, stay on board. No matter what. And you think about those people stuck on that ark with all those animals. Do you think it was pleasant? Would you like to spend 40 or so days with the pigs and the elephants? And the, you know, it's nice to watch the game, but I mean, dear God, living with them. More than once, they probably thought, well, let's rather jump off. But what's the option if you jump off? What happened to the rest? They all perished. Stick with the church, despite the stench. Are you hearing me? And it's not all things, dear God. There's wonderful times of worship and praise, and there's so much to be learned, so much joy to be had, so much fellowship. It's a privilege to belong to a collection of believers who really love God. Did you know that? It's a privilege. It's not something to be taken for granted and despised. Are you hearing this? Brothers and sisters, let's be people that choose to cling. God wants people who are in it for the long term, not the short blessing. I can't tell you how many times people just want short blessing and they lose out. People that dig in for the long term, be it the word, the career, whatever, the people who really cling into the things of life will experience life eternal and be blessed of the Lord. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. 